Note, this is not the full film of Akira. Rather, this is a review of the English dubs of Akira. The film can be purchased on Blu-ray and DVD from Funimation or wherever home video is sold. Please support the official release. Sincerely, the Dub Talk Podcast. Live from the center of our cybertronic city of filth and rage, this is Radio NTE, coming to you with a city-state update to let you know how fucked we are here and today. The politicians? Still corrupt. The military? Suspicious and probably power-hungry, but somehow less corrupt than the politicians. Various cults and religious sects? Still marching and chanting and lighting things on fire. The gangs? Still perhaps the only free people in the city, and if they're not, at least they have sweet rides. But a new player has entered the game, a new broadcast station called Dub Talk. We think they're doing good work, so we're going to play you a little something of theirs to give you a taste. But before we do, be warned that Dub Talk contains strong language and content that may not be suitable for younger audiences, and listener discretion is advised. Also, be aware that if you listen, spoilers for Akira, as well as any other anime, may occur. So be aware if there's a series or movie you haven't watched yet. Finally, the views and opinions are those of the individual participants of this episode and do not reflect Dub Talk as a whole. So enjoy our new friends, who will soon be your new friends. Stay safe and keep the struggle going. Signing off, this is Radio NTE, because Neo Tokyo is about to EXPLOD. Hello, I'm Spaceman Hardy. And I'm Amon. And welcome to another episode of Dub Talk's Summer at the Movies, a series where we pair off and talk about another anime English dub of a well-known classic or a brand new film that has just recently been released. And we have a special treat for you tonight, listeners. We're not just covering one dub for a movie. No, no. No, no. We're covering two dubs for a movie. That's right. In fact, we're we're covering the oldest thing we ever have on this entire history of dub talk uh we are covering the 1988 classic akira yeah no wait no it's da da weird music (laughs) whatever the music is but yeah, uh, if case you have been living under a rock uh, for the past 30 so years, um, Akira is one of Katsuhiro Otomo's iconic classic released by the originally released in the U.S. by Streamline Pictures in 1990. Um, it was record recorded a decade later from Pioneer Entertainment by Animes. And so, yes, it is a 30 year old film two anime dubs and tonight we're going to do something special because we're covering both of them isn't that right yes indeed mm-hmm. so in, if you haven't watched akira first of all where is your anime card turn it <laughs> in right now it's it's essential viewing and you um, and you have no excuse on this even after jenny on went bust you could get that thing for five dollars anywhere pretty much yeah and uh and the funimation release actually has both dubs on it mm-hmm. so so now you have no excuses. Uh, in fact, the Funimation release is the first time that the Streamline dub has ever been released outside of VHS. It never even got put on Laserdisc. Oh, man. Mm, yeah. So in case you haven't seen Akira yet, uh, here's a brief plot summary. In the year 2019, hey, that's this year. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah. 31 years have passed since the outbreak of World War Three. Well, I missed that. Now, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Insert, In, insert topical political joke here, yeah. which we won't do. You have to do that yourself. 
Yeah, we're near. In Neo Tokyo, all authority is waging a never ending struggle against the underground that virtually rules the shattered city. A top secret child with amazing powers of the mines breaks free from custody and accidentally gets a motorcycle gang involved in the project. The incident triggers psychic powers within one of the members, Tetsuo, and he is taken by the army and experimented on. His mind has been warped and is now on the path of war, exacting revenge on the society that once called him weak. In other words, it's easy to say that Neo Tokyo is about to E-X-P-L-O-D-E. When I was preparing this episode, I was looking at the bonus features on the Funimation release, and uh, I was very happy to see that their modern trailer for the release kept that little tagline. Yeah. Made me very happy. With the little bullets in between each capital letter. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so anyways, uh, as usual, we are going to go back and forth um, discussing the various... Uh, cast and crew of the dub but we're going to do something a little bit different because we're covering both dubs this time so what i'm going to do is what amon is going to do what are you going to do <laughs> Doing this we're on prepared the for this we're Did, prepared for this folks. i i i am i am prepared i'm just not organized um yes. But I, I have some interesting thoughts on the back and forth here because um, we have we have two the, these two dubs represent two very distinct times and places as far as dubbing anime goes, and I think I think that Funimation release now that it has both dubs provides a fascinating little contrast in how much that industry changed in just a decade. Uh, so I, I'm going to talk about that a bunch. I know for that for a fact. How about you? Well, what I'm going to talk about is basically contrast the various performances and the uh, and the ways that what is considered a good dub and what is considered a poor dub mm -hmm. has changed in the past 30 years or so. Because this is, we're talking about these are both the oldest dubs we have recorded we've we've reviewed here on the show. Uh, one being 30 years old and the other being almost 20. It's about uh, 18 or so at this point yeah yeah and um so we have not nobody on this on our on our program has ever gone back and recorded or reviewed a an episode on any any dub that old yeah it, it just occurred like i knew the the streamlined dub was going to be the oldest thing we ever covered but it just, just occurred to me it's like even even the animac even the anime's dub is like really old by the standards of what we've covered yeah the the uh the anime's dub is it's officially old enough to enter strip clubs at this point. <laughs> and, it, and, so. it, and it can drink while it's there. I don't know if it can drink yet. I mean, oh, but, no, uh, you're right, actually. Yeah, right. That's that's in Europe. <laughs> in Europe, it can drink. Yeah. So anyways, um, what we're going to do is, Amon, why don't you tell us uh, the who, uh, who our streamlined casting crew is, and I will tell the people who the anime's casting crew is. That sounds like a lovely idea. Uh, and, and with that, uh, let's start with our ADR director and scriptwriter. Certainly. Uh, for ADR director and scriptwriter, uh, the ADR, the director in, on the streamlined dub, was done by Wally Burr and Sheldon Renan. And uh, the, stream, the streamlined dub doesn't technically have a scriptwriter as we think of it, uh, but David Fleming is credited with translation, and L. Michael Holler is credited with the adaptation. So uh, presumably, they, between the two of them, that's more or less the script writing job. Right. And on Animaze's end, we have Kevin Seymour doing both ADR directing and the writing. And he also had some ADR uh, help with 
by uh, Heidi Wilbur. Gotcha. Yeah, as far as Kevin Seymour is concerned, his previous directorial credits, you have heard him as the casting director for Armitage III and the sequel Polymatrix and Dual Matrix. Uh, he was director for uh, uh, Code Geass, Lelouch of the Rebellion, and most famously, probably the ADR director uh, for Ghost of the Shell Standalone Complex and, and the second gig. That is a that is a heck of a resume right there. Mm-hmm. So, Armand, you start us off. Uh, as far as the streamline concerned, uh, direction and writing, what do you personally think? Hmm. Yes. Big hmm. This, this is not a great dub. Particular, particularly not by today's standards. Even even by back, like I I got into anime like a little after the anime's dub came out, kind of like early two thousands, and I can vaguely remember even then people were like, "This redub is a significant improvement over the streamlined dub." Um, that's a the the I had never seen the streamlined dub prior to watching this. Like by the time yeah by the time I got an anime. Uh, the anime's dub was everywhere. I think you could like you could watch the streamlined dub if you like had an old VHS copy, which I didn't have. Um, and the main thing that stuck out to me, it's like, man, this sounds like an '80s cartoon. Like this sounds like this sounds like whenever people post like a goofy uh, like clip of Transformers on Twitter, like that's what this sounds like. Everyone's making a weird voice. No one sounds like a real person. Thundercats. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. Exactly. Like one hundred percent that, which is appropriate because um, as I as I I've encountered Wally Burr before, um, because I've encountered him via Orson Welles complaining about him. <laughs> really? Oh, oh, oh. So you're familiar that Orson Welles is in the Transformers movie, like from '86. Right. 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 Yeah. He well, being Orson Welles, he considered that role incredibly beneath him, and uh, apparently spent a lot of time trying to like ignore Wally Burr and do what he thought was a good direction because he's Orson Welles. Isn't that the... Uh, all, didn't he also have, like, a dog with him in the booth? You know like what? I'm, little... I, you know, I'm not sure, but that sounds like something Orson Welles would did. A lot of his older... A lot of his later life just seems to be having active contempt for everything he had to do. So, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, so, you know, Wally Burr was, like, a fairly big name in the... Uh, you know, that, that particular kind of cartoon voice acting industry at the time, which I assume was part of the reason. I actually found out something interesting. This is not technically a Streamline dub. Really? Yes, no, apparently. So Streamline did pick it up for distribution, but this dub was not made by Streamline. It was something Kodansha, the Japanese company that owns Akira, it was something they had commissioned prior to having a distribution deal. Uh, it was done by some company called Electric Media. I can find nothing else about them, partially because they have a very generic name. Uh, and partially because yeah. I'm not sure they ever did anything else, um, and for that matter, like it was they were clearly drawing from the same acting pool the last streamlined dubs were, anyways. So like it's not, you know, that distinction is uh, not super a big deal. But I did find that interesting, at least in the sense of like, even before this came out, Kadancha was like, "Hey, we can probably sell this overseas. Maybe if we get a dub, it'll be easier to distribute to some place." Um, yeah. Anyways, it's a, it's a fun trivia, but um, mm -hmm. yeah, this is a this is a very this is a very nineteen eighties dub. Yeah, uh, which I find interesting when you contrast it with what the anime's dub is like, because just a you know, uh, streamlined dub, very much like this is what voiceover acting is like in like the late eighties, the very early nineties. By the time you get to two thousand one, obviously that is not the same story. Uh, yeah, like, it's. Yeah, it sort of has its own life to it. It's if if the if Akira's 89, 88 dub 
was a textbook example of what an 80s dub like. I would say that the anime's dub is a textbook example of what an early 2000s dub was like. 100% agreement. Right. It's like they had they hadn't fully gotten their feet out from under them yet and were still working towards. Like Bebop had just come out. Mm-hmm. And they were still trying to sort of bottle that success and perfect it uh, because Bebop at the time was like lightning in a bottle. You had dubs before then and after then, and it, it just wasn't it wasn't perfected yet, but you could sort of see that it was on its way. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as directing goes, yeah, they're night and day difference. Um, but writing seems very familiar, similar between the two, I've noticed. No, I, did, I was actually surprised, having watched the streamlined dub, that, like, they're, 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 like, to the point where, like, there are whole lines of dialogue that are identical in both movies, which I was actually legitimately surprised by. I would, you know, it has this picture in my mind of, like, the streamlined dub was, like, very loose compared to what we're used to in this day and age, um, by comparison. I was sort of surprised to, like, no, this is, this is basically the same. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was that was very unexpected. Yeah, well, there's really only one story you can possibly tell with Akira, so <laughs> yeah, there's not not a lot of yeah, you're not or not you can't actually make the four kids version of Akira with the footage <laughs> from Akira. You gotta you gotta you gotta do that yourself. It, the movie would be like five minutes long. Uh, yeah, basically, it's like all right, we have to cut out the violence, the brief nudity, all the political stuff. Uh oh. It's just, it's just that shot of, of Kanada sliding on his bike. That's the whole movie. That's the entire movie. That's the right. entire movie. Yes, the teaser trailer is longer than the actual film. <laughs> but yeah, no, I'd say, yeah. Um, I would say that, in general, the anime's dub is definitely improvement, but it still shows a lot of weakness in certain parts because it seems like most of the actors uh, were still... Most of the actors had either been there for a few years or they were brand new. Mm-hmm. And um, they were still trying to get their, their feet out from under them. And uh, and it definitely shows. It's 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 an improvement over the streamlined dub. But I think both, both dubs sort of have this time capsule effect to where they both belong in the areas they're created. Like they're both time appropriate for mm-hmm. when they were recorded. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think... Um... Well, something, something I was thinking as I was watching the streamlined dub again, it was just that um, I feel like I feel like so. In addition to like good dubs were new for all intents and purposes, and in addition to that, prior to that, obviously I know anime is mostly for dubbing TV anime. Uh, Akira, as you might notice, uh, actually has like the animation is done to the Japanese dialogue uh, rather than the other way around, which is how most TV anime is done. And I feel like they're occasionally hampered by the fact of like, oh, we can't cheat with lip flaps. Like there's a ve- there's a very distinct mouth movement happening with every single one of these lines, which is why sometimes you get people. There's a couple lines where um, kind of does clearly talking a little a little too fast. Right. It's like oh you have, you have to cram more. You, there's a lot more syllables in this phrase in English than there are in Japanese, aren't there? Yeah. Oops. No, it's tricky. It's a tricky thing to do. I think Streamline didn't really even try. No. <laughs> And I think animes did a better effort, but even then, you know, it's it was a very tricky thing to pull off. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's it's imperfect, but I mean, it, in sort of a way, it's got its charm to it. I, I, I look, I'm 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 going to be upfront. Like the the streamline the the uh, no the the anime's dub has possibly my favorite line in any dubbed anime ever. So I will I will always give them that. They have that going for them. 
What is that? Uh, it's it's right right before um, Tetsuo steals Kaneda's bike. You have a shot of like the gang like milling around the classroom, complaining about how the teacher wouldn't show up. And one of the one of the other biker pumps is playing like, "Where is the teacher? How am I supposed to fulfill my burning desire to learn a vocation?" <laughs> and the, the 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 line reading on that is just so pitch perfect. It makes me smile every single time I watch this movie. Nice. Yeah. So, in general, I mean, both dubs have their problems. Both dubs have sort of their massive problems. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they are. They both have a reason to exist, and uh, they're both indicative of the time periods that they were recorded in, and they both had their certain charm to them, I oh, would yeah. say. Oh, yeah. yeah, definitely. I think this, this sort of reminds me of, um, there's like a little repertory theater near my house that I like to go to. And um, they had a week once where um, sometimes like on Monday nights, they'll do like a big screen showing of some older movie that's getting a release. And on the weekends, they do midnights. And one weekend they had Blade Runner, the final cut as like the Monday fancy pants movie. Oh, wow. And then they had Blade Runner, like the original with terrible overdub narration by Harrison Ford version as the midnight movie. And uh, I'm like, yep, those are the appropriate versions of both of those movies. And this feels the same way. You show Animax on the Monday night because it's dignified, and then you show Streamline on the weekends because it's kind of goofy. Right. Yeah, buddy. Both deserving of their popcorn as an oh, equal measurement. Like, I, I was surprised. The Streamline dub was more fun than I thought it was going to be, like even as kind of not great as it is. So, Right. Yeah. It, yeah. it, it, it definitely has its charms. I agree. Yeah. You show it. Uh, you show it in um, in a double feature with Ninja Scroll. Yeah, there we go. Yeah, we'll we'll cover that movie in another summer of the movies. Okay. Anyways, uh, let's enough about the direction and writing. Let's move on to our first list of characters. Now, there are quite a few characters that are important, but um, we decided to kind of leave them out. Sort of characters, sort of like the the rat politician and and. And Kay's partner, who's dealing with him, and and the other members of Kaneda and Tetsuo's gang, and and also Tetsuo's girlfriend Kaori, um, because let's be face it, Kaori doesn't really matter much to the story other than being punched in the face, getting stripped naked, and being eventually squished at the very end of the movie. Yeah, Kaori is being Kaori is suffering basically. <sighs> she was just worried about her boyfriend. Yeah. Sad. Yeah. So instead of, because we've got basically two actors to cover for each character, we're going to keep it main, simply to the main, uh, main cast. Um, starting with the three psychic children, these were kids who were discovered to have latent powers and abilities, and they have been tested on and experimented on, and basically have taken the forms of very, very child, childlike bodies with very elderly features they all look like very tiny little old people and among the children we have kyoko takashi and masaru uh basically the little girl the skinny boy and the fat kid um who kind of looks like pokey from pokey from earthbound <laughs> well he does no, it's funny, but I, I thought he looked like somebody else. For some reason, ever I see this, I'm always like, this is what Cartman would look like in a more refined art style. Basically, yeah. He's like a little mini Eric Cartman before Cartman was even a thing. Pretty much. So, so uh, 
Amon, who is who are playing the children in the streamlined version? Well, in the streamlined version, uh, Kyoko is being played by Melora Hart. Uh, Takashi is being played by Barbara Goodson, playing not an old woman for once. Uh, and Masaru is played by Bob Bergen. And on the anime side, we have Kyoko played by Sandy Fox. Uh, and Takashi and Masaru are both played by Cody McKenzie. So... Amon, you start us off. What was your opinion of the two various performances? In keeping what we were saying earlier, uh, the anime, like the anime's version, as well as its faults, but I give it credit because I could tell the kids apart. Uh, in the streamlined version, they all kind of meld together. They sort of sound like children and '80s children at that. See, that's where I kind of disagree, at least uh-huh. on the part with Masaru, because he sounded like a miniature. Um, oh. Uh, Oh, what's his name? Oh, what's his name? The Godfather. Um, Marlon Brando? Oh, you're yes. right. He does sound a little <laughs> bit like Marlon Brando, doesn't he? He sounds like a really bad Marlon Brando impression with a little bit of Eric Cartman stuck into it. Is it sad that that's probably what that started out as? Basically. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's one thing I noticed um, as far. Yeah, and you're right. The other two kids do blend together on the streamlined version, but uh, but that's the one part that p- stuck out to me was was like tiny Marlon Brando floating around in his little floaty car. So. <laughs> Where's, yeah, yeah we put that in a live action movie. Yeah, I could have been a contender <laughs> instead of a bum, which is made you made me. <laughs> he just zooms around. Yes. Um, Worth my chocolate brownie. I'm hungry. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, um, yeah, the, uh, you know, I, I, I do see that now, but that, that was one of the things that stuck out at me is they see, they see, Mini Marlon Brando aside, the other two de- didn't seem nearly as distinct. Uh, they just kind of sounded, the direction seemed very much like you're playing like a weird kid. Uh, and not, not too much beyond that, I don't think. I think in that regard, the anime's dub is a lot stronger, uh, just because like they sound a lot more distinct, even though weirdly enough, there are fewer actors playing them this time. Right. Uh, and like I, I think they, they gave fairly solid performances, given that they are playing like weird, stilted psychic children, yeah. who 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 communicate through other people and kind of, and, and know more that's going on than they'll tell us for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the one that um, on the anime section, I probably the weakest performance was probably Sandy Fox, not because it's her fault, but because the dialogue is very stilted for mm. the children. Yeah. Um, and they're forced to sort of have to read it in this. But because of what we are doing, <laughs> one of these days we'll be able to. And then you never hear the rest of that. Yeah, they especially at the very end, they get a lot of the very like cryptic, cryptic, cryptic arts. It's it's that it's that point where you can remember that like Otomo want Otomo more or less had figured out how he wanted to end the series, but he had to figure out how to wrap it up in right. two hours. Yeah. Yeah, Because for those who don't know, this is an entire manga series, series adapted into one two-hour-long movie. Yep. And yeah. when, it, when it was made, about, I think, three and a half to four of them had actually been published and written at that point. Uh, the other two did. That, that, that's my fun thing. I've read the Akira manga, like, once through in high school, but I don't remember it very well. And I'll see people online talking about parts that didn't get adapted and how, like, oh, if you've only seen the anime, you're missing out. There's, like whole bunches of stuff that just didn't didn't end up in that thing yeah yeah and yet in general the ending i from what i understand is practically the same so. yeah. <laughs> yeah pretty much 
Right. That's my that's my so, recollection as well. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, no, I think the animes is definitely... I, this is going to be a recurring thing that I'm going to say. The animes is definitely better than the streamline. Mm-hmm. Um, but mini Marlon Brando does have his charm, I'll admit. <laughs> and... Uh, and I think in both cases, the children kind of suffer from the sort of stilted dialogue where they're forced to basically read phonetically. Mm. Um, um, and so, yeah, I, I think um, Animaze is better, but it is it could do with some improvement. Yeah, I, f- I feel like they get they get hit a lot with um, having to match the lip flaps very exactly, uh, just because they 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 have they they also do a lot of um, what do you call it expository dialogue which oh, yeah. sure is, is is always fun to dub over in another language that is where the animation is not designed to fit to english exactly um, yeah so yeah yeah they, they it's it's an the anime is definitely an improvement but there's still a lot of a lot of weird a lot of weird quirks in both these dubs when you get down to it yeah yeah uh as far as the kids are concerned i really can't pick like well, i don't know i'm just repeating myself mini barlin <laughs> brando is fun to listen to so no, that's true. That's one point in the 89's dub's favor. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's respect his authority. Uh, <laughs> I want to like... troll around YouTube and see if someone's like cut scenes of Akira to like South Park clips as a gag. <laughs> but it must exist somewhere. Someone, we can't be the first, first people to think of that. And if we are the first people to think of that, you, you listeners out there, you know, if you have any... Any clips that you can splice together, just, you know, you heard it from us. Uh, okay, so, yeah, go ahead. No, link it in the comments. All right, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so are we good to go on, or do we want to um, have anything else to say? I, know, I, th- I think I'm about done. These are, like, like solid, but kind of hard to talk about, because it's cryptic and stilted, as we mentioned. Right, right. Moving on to our first pair of important characters, or actually our only pair of important characters, everyone else, everyone else we talk individually. Uh, we're going on to two of the government officials who are overseeing the Akira project, or Akira. I'm going to say Akira. I know it's pronounced Akira. I don't care. <laughs> it's like, it's one of those words that you just, you're so ingrained to say it a certain way, you don't care if it's mispronounced. Like, Katana is actually supposed to be pronounced Katana. And I'm never going to pronounce it that way. I refuse. Look, I, I completely understand. For, for for having never seen the anime for years, I thought the female lead in Rama One Half's name was uh, Akane. Akane. I know. Yeah. I don't know how Japanese works. And later, I'm like, no, it's Akane, and I'm like, oh, that's not. That's not how I thought that word was pronounced at all. Oh, you want to know what's even worse? Oh no. Is that have you ever watched the ADV dub of the Rurouni Kenshin films? No. Oh, it's for. In retrospect, um, the Rurouni Kenshin movie, um, Trust and Betrayal, is one of the most beautiful movies I think I've ever seen animated, mm-hmm. period. And that's strong words. Um, and, uh, the other two movies, Rurouni Kenshin, the movie, is just meh, and Rurouni Kenshin Reflections is evil and should not exist. It's, yeah, it's, no, it's, it's, it does not exist. We don't speak of it here. Um the movie it was really really good for trust and betrayal the dub was not oh no you see the movies were licensed in their in the, back in well, the 80s is, is, is this the one that, that was released as like samurai x for some reason 
No, that's okay. something else. All right. But that's something different entirely. Right. I don't even fully understand. All right. Go on then. No. Um, no. ADV got the rights to the movies, uh, whereas Media Blasters got the rights to the TV series. Oh, and I see where this is going. <laughs> instead of staying with a consistent cast, ADV cast it, picked, chose their own studio. Mm-hmm. Instead of going with their u- typical Houston cast, though, they went with their Austin crew. ATV had an Austin crew? Monster Island. Oh, oh, that's what that is. Okay. Yeah. In fact, here's a fun fact. Uh, Gray Haddock um, used to be a well-known actor for uh, Monster Island mm-hmm. back in the day. Uh, he is now one of the head designs over at Rooster Teeth. He does a lot of oh. work for Ruby and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. fancy. Yeah. But um, anyways, I'm getting off track. Um, they got their 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 Austin crew to dub the Roni Kenshin movies, and they were not good. Oh. But one of the worst things was there's a character whose name, a main character, whose name is spelled T O M O E. In Japan, yeah, uh-huh. in Japan that should be pronounced Tomoe. Right. Oh no. They completely forgot the E in this official dub. Mm-hmm. So he spends two hours calling her Tomo. Uh, yeah. I see. So, yeah. it's. But uh, off the point, you know, I'm not going to show off my badass katana that I bought from the mall for 20 bucks. <laughs> I'm going to call it a katana. And that's why I'm going to call this movie Akira. You can deal with it. Same thing with... Uh, with um, what's with... Uh, What's his name? Uh, Tezuka. You know, it's not Tezuka to me. I don't care. <laughs> it's Osamu Tezuka. It's Osamu Tezuka. Anyways, we're getting... We have plenty of time. We have well, plenty we can, of time. We can, we can ramble a little. We're all having fun here. Anyways, we're going on to our next set of characters is the government officials we have. We have Colonel Shikishima and Dr. Onishi. The colonel is in charge of the Akira project, and he... He is basically keeping everything under wraps as to the true identity and whereabouts of where Akira is. Uh, Akira is, as in case we haven't mentioned, the most, I wouldn't say the most powerful of the psychic children that they actually found. Mm-hmm. And so they're keeping, supposedly keeping him uh, locked away. Um, and Dr. Onishi is in charge of looking after the, well, he's, he's, it, he's, he is testing and looking into the potential uh, that Tetsuo can uh, of his powers and, and what he is able to do. And, uh, and so that's what they are in charge of. Basically, sort of the antagonists before Tetsuo goes all crazy. Pretty much. Uh, with, the, yeah. with, the, with the fun crinkle of, like, by the standards of the rest of the Japanese government, they're kind of nice. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. They're, they're not dicks to the children. They're just trying to, like, get shit done. Yeah, and when the government tries to stop them, he's like, screw you, and then they pull a coup d'etat, it actually works. Yep. So, yeah. But anyways, uh, Amon, who do we have playing the Colonel and the Doctor in the Streamlined dub? In the Streamlined dub, the Colonel is being played by Tony Pope, and uh, Dr. Onishi is being played by Louis Arquette. All right. And in the anime's dub, for the Colonel, we have the one and only Jameson Price, and for the Doctor, we have Simon Prescott. So what were what were your takes on these these two performances? The, the Colonel, I think, is handy because I feel like he's a he's a good example in the way that the kind of 
the philosophy behind dubbing anime changed in the in the decade between these two dubs. Exactly, uh, it's like night and day. Yeah, like like J- James. Like by the time you hit the anime's dub, there's much more of an idea of like natural sounding acting. Like Jameson Price sounds like a real human being that you might encounter on the street that you might talk to. He has he has the kind of voice that this character would have if he were being played in a live action movie by a person you're seeing on screen. Tony Pope sounds like an extra from G.I. Joe. He is a he is a he is a he is a grown man doing a voice. It is not a voice that is ever that naturally comes out of any human being you will ever meet, barring like somebody whose only interaction with English has been like old eighties cartoons and they think that's how everyone talks. Uh, it is it is it is not a terrible performance per se, uh, but it is very it is distinctly affected in a way that you know even a decade later would largely be absent from anime dubs except for like you know really silly comedies where that would fit tonally right Um, not not in anything as like relatively serious as akira which is you know not a not a comedy let's say it's sort of like something you would hear on a robot chicken spoof of gi joe exactly right like that's 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 very like uh, it's like oh man this was dubbed in the 80s Mm -hmm. yeah um you don't. You, that's not it. That's not that, that. That distinction isn't quite as sharp with Onishi, but you still, you still, you get that with a lot of the. Well, we'll talk about we'll talk about people affecting voices when we get to some of the other characters a little further down the line. Um, but Onishi has a little bit of that too. Like it's very much like someone doing a voice because they know they're in a cartoon. Uh, meanwhile, Prescott is, uh, in contrast, is doing something much more like no, this is this is a real person. We're aiming for some level of realism here in our cartoon about psychic children. See, here's the funny thing about Dr. Onishi in mm-hmm. the streamlined version is he was one of the more tolerable performances for me, if you mm-hmm. can believe it. Not, like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, you know, it, it was cartoony and it was sort of over the top, but at the same time, it fit the character. Um, you cannot say that with a colonel because nope. that voice should not be coming out of that character. <laughs> Uh, Onishi ben- Onishi's kind of like mad science get uh, design kind of benefits that sort of performance a lot better. Like, whenever I think of the Colonel, I think of like back when I was a wee child, I read on some like probably long dead fan page, probably on GeoCities. It was someone doing like their their dreamcast for live action Akira movie, and they wanted Bruce Willis to play the Colonel. I feel like yeah, no, that's that's kind of the direction you'd want to go in. Like big big stoked looking dude with not a lot of hair. Not, yeah, basically. Not what Tony, not whatever Tony Pope is doing. Right, right. No, um, and as far as I can remember, I don't really. I think Simon Prescott did a decent job for the animes. I, he didn't really stand out like a lot of the other performances did, mainly because the Doctor doesn't really have as much dialogue as everyone else does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do remember that that between the two, I think Simon Prescott's performance was technically better mm-hmm. because it was a more up to date dub. But um, that Louis Arquette's streamlined performance was actually probably the best in that particular dub at the time. So yeah, I'd agree with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was more listenable than a lot of the other main actors in the in the movie. So yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Dare we move on? Because we are not even forty minutes in yet. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 a it's a it's a fun. Part of the problem with talking about the dub for Akira is Akira does have a lot of like emotional thematics, but half the fun of Akira is just what's happening visually. 
Right. And they're not exactly. always. It's like you know, it just you know, we can you can talk about the the political situation and the emotional themes, but you know, half the fun's watching a big blob monster eat people. Or it's half not, the fun, half the fun is looking into the background and seeing all the graffiti that you can, that you can spot out. So much, so much, so much detail in this movie. I mean, yeah. I mean, if nothing else, we'll get into this more into this in final thoughts. But this movie deserves to be watched, if nothing for the visuals. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't think I've seen a hand-drawn film from Japan as detailed as this. Uh, outside of like Studio Ghibli's more, um, more detailed works, uh, or even Redline. Mm. So, yeah, and those were all hand drawn. Oh yeah. So, I think even Studio Ghibli eventually, eventually gave in to using CGI, but this was way before that any of that even existed, and it, it looks phenomenal. Yeah, the so. uh, I have a story about that that I'll share in final thoughts. But yeah. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I think I'm happy to move on if you are. All right. Okay, so we move on to our first of three lead characters. Uh, we have Kay, um, who is a, I want to say, a freedom fighter? Basically, yeah. Yeah. She yeah. is part of a movement that's trying to overthrow the government of Neo-Tokyo, and... Um, she has her little team of partners that infiltrate the 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 um oh i cannot brain today i have the dumb uh infiltrate the it's like a facility the, i guess the facilities yes in order to find out more about the what's going on and and i guess free the kids or something i don't know I, I, it's very vague. I, 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 th I think, yeah, I think the idea is they discover these psychic kids who the government clearly want and have power, and they're they're trying to get them at least out of the government's hands. It's it's a little unclear right. if they have any like what they're planning to do with them after that, aside from just not let the government have them. Right. Uh, that's that's sort of, that's their that's that's their goal that that kicks off this whole thing. Yeah, because in the first scene, one of the freedom fighters is leading one of the the psychic kids away and. He pretty much gets peppered by bullets, but uh, yep. yeah, turned yeah. into street paste. Oof. Yeah, but anyways, uh, Kay is also the want to be love interest of our lead Kanida. He, uh, he, he makes his he makes his affections well known. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's, it's putting it lightly. Yeah, it's like hey, he spent he spends a third of the movie yelling Tetsuo, a third uh, another like um of, of the other third like riding around motorcycles and shooting things, and the last third just hitting on K no matter what situation they're in. Yeah, running for the cops, yeah. hit on K in jail, hit on K. <laughs> hey, if it wasn't for him, she'd still probably be in jail. So it's 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 not that he's not useful; it's that there's a time and a place. But Kaneda doesn't not. understand that. Yeah. So anyways, playing our female uh, lead, Kay, uh, tell us who is in the Streamline. In the Streamline dub, she's being played by Laura Cody. And in the anime's dub, she is played by Wendy Lee. Uh, Wendy Lee, you've obviously known for such famous roles as Haruhi Susumiya and, uh, and Faye Valentine. I always forget she's played both those characters. That's... Quite the gamut. And that never make. I always, like. I I always read that and I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. How does that work? She was also the car and masked rider, but we don't talk about that. 
Let's let us let's not. Yeah. That's, in case you didn't know, audience, this is what Amon and I always talk about. We just throw obscure references at each other at nonstop. Yeah. Although, and occasionally, and occasionally we have fun at Jeff Tate's expense because he's a bald fat loser. <laughs> Although, um, speak, speaking of other roles, uh, Laura, Laura Cody also has her own. Um, she's been in a fair number of things, but the one that feels most appropriate for this is that she voices Rosemary in the Metal Gear Solid games, um, uh, which is uh, what's his name? That's Raiden's girlfriend. Right, I forgot and, uh, about that. It's like, man, you 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 spend a lot of time in weird weird arty action things from Japan, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. And so, um, with that in mind, what did we think of these two performances? <sighs> if I'm going to my my if I'm going to be honest, my recollection is Lar Cody was like fine, but didn't leave a particularly big impression on me. Of the of the main role, she's the one that I have like the hardest time remembering off the top of my head. Mm -hmm. Um, and like Wendy Lee, I thought I think does do a very good job. I think she has one of the stronger performances here. I think in part because like Wendy Lee is a good actress, Uh, and Mm -hmm. I think I think she may have also. I I, this is one of these things where if I had like a billion hours to kill, I could go over for the fine tooth comb and see how like how much like lip flaps they have to match. But I think she benefited from having a easier time getting her dialogue to fit in with a lot of what um, Kay was saying. And mm-hmm. I think that benefited her performance in the long run. Yeah. Um, I, th- I also think that sort of... Now, don't quote me on this. I mm-hmm. might be horribly wrong. But Laura was a bit new to the industry when they first recorded this dub. Mm-hmm. Because, it, yeah. And whereas Wendy had been in it for a little, a few years after... Uh, a few years at that point. I, I, so, could, I could definitely buy that, at least. Yeah. Um, between the two, I do agree with you that Laura sort of doesn't stick out, mm-hmm. um, whereas Wendy does have more of a stronger performance. One thing I did notice, though, is that Wendy makes Kay sound older than she seems to be. No, I think I think that is true. Wendy uses... I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if it's closer to her natural speaking voice. And personally, I'm not actually sure what Wendy Lee's natural speaking voice is. Um, mm-hmm. But she, she, you, this is that's definitely a performance where like K, yeah, K, K, because I assume K is supposed to be like about Kaneda's age, so like a high schooler, and she definitely sounds like someone who'd be like mid twenties at least. Right, uh, right. Which you know, given given like she's a freedom fighter, I think that that kind of works for the character. She seems like somebody who would have to grow up fast. But I, I, I agree. She definitely has a. She de- it definitely she definitely comes off as a much older character than she's probably supposed yeah. to be. Yeah, I think while Wendy's performance was better, I think Lara's overall voice mm-hmm. um, probably fit closer to the character mm-hmm. uh, as uh, like age wise. But yeah, as acting wise, I definitely have to side with the anime's dub as usual mm-hmm. um, because it just it was more up to date. Um, but you're right. I really don't have much else to say about Laura's K because she does. She didn't really stand out. Yeah, and yeah. I, th- yeah, I think yeah, Wendy definitely benefits. I think from possibly. You know, I think I, I like. I'm also not sure when Laura Cody entered the industry, but I think like Wendy probably had. It sounds like she had a little more experience under her belt, uh, and I think that definitely shines through in her performance. She's a as one you know as one of as one of the leads. I think I think she she does a really solid good job with this. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially when she also has to deliver a lot of exposition dialogue because Kyoko's talking through K. Right, exactly. Well, yeah, yeah. K, K suddenly gets eyeshadow. <laughs> yeah, no, it's those parts in particular um, where she sort of gets taken over by Kyoko. 
it's it's interesting to listen to her during that and to her at playing K normally because mm-hmm. you could tell it's two different characters basically. Yeah, it, it may be the same voice, it may be the same body, but it's two different people speaking at the same time. And I think you can really tell the difference when that happens. Yeah. So the credit where that's due. Yeah, I, I especially think in like that first scene when like you, the audience, become aware of it. I think that. Like, sort of that transition happening of, like, uh, like it's K speaking to, it's Kyoko speaking through K. I do think that that transition is done very well, because you can kind of, you can kind of tell initially, like, she, she sounds, like, she sounds a little off compared to what she did just, like, a minute or two ago. And then that, re- you know, that reveal of why that is, I think, is executed really well in the anime stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. when, like, Wendy Lee does a very good job of matching, like, the rhythm of how uh, Sandy plays Kyoko. And I think that it yeah, benefits it a lot, I think. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, are we ready to move on to? <laughs> oh boy. Oh, here we go. Now we were very tempted to put these two together because they seem to yell at each other like ninety percent of the movie. <laughs> I, I until I saw the streamlined dub, I didn't. I never quite understood all the Kaneda Tetsuo memes. And then after I saw it, it's like, oh, right. oh, it's like, it's like. It's like I it's like I found the Rosetta Stone. It all makes sense now. Yeah. It was early inspiration for all the Inuyasha Kagome memes <laughs> to come. <laughs> You're not wrong. I'm not, no. You're not I wrong think at all. to a uh, to a bit of a lesser extent, I think Urameshi and Kuwabara to some extent, but yeah. not as much. But um but yeah, our main antagonist of the film. If you have not at least heard this, if you do not have watched this film, you've at least heard this name, Mr. Tetsuo Shiba. He is a biker who has always been in the shadow of his friend Kaneda's, uh, he's always been in the shadow of his friend Kaneda his entire life. Um, frequently kind of picked on and bullied, looked down upon, um, has a major chip on his shoulder because he wants to prove that he's good enough to be Kaneda's friend and yet at the same time sort of get out of his shadow and be be better than him um he gets well he sort of runs his motorcycle into one of the psychic children oops oops and somehow this triggers powers within him and as he learns to control his powers he goes on a crazed rampage and becomes the main villain for the rest of the film uh, eventually turning into a giant mutant blob baby and and swallowing people up mm-hmm. and quite possibly causing the third impact yeah, unintentionally so <laughs> whoops oops look when you when you when you find it when you find a child that has hit your weird psychic child you shouldn't give him weird experimental drugs to see if he'll be a psychic it's a bad idea right yeah because and then you all of a sudden you have teddy bears throwing up milk and all this crap exactly <laughs> I've seen I've seen this movie multiple times in the last like fifteen years, and that that is that is that's that's somehow always still grosser than the Blob Monster. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Like just ugh. right, yeah. It, it's what's even part it worse is when he steps on the glass. Oh, I hate that. I hate that. Yeah, <laughs> and it sort of gives before it cracks. It's just oh, for 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 a movie with so much horrific and just for so much like horrific and upsetting in, uh, imagery in it, I, I find it amazing. The two the two moments that probably upset me the most are that and the bit at the, the bit at the very beginning when the dogs get shot. Oh oh, like, I, what 
the part that bothers me is when the guy's arm gets run over by the motorcycle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will, when we hit final thoughts, I will give a brief tangent about the sound effects in this movie. But yeah, that's oof. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Before we gross each other out, uh, Tetsuo Oshima, who is he played by in the streamlined dub? In the uh, streamlined dub, he is played by John Rabson, who, uh, at least according to Anime's new, Anime News Network, doesn't have a uh, super lot of uh, credits under his role. Although he does play a bunch of characters in the, leisure, in the later Leisure Suit Larry games, oddly enough. Oh, really? Yeah, he plays he plays Larry Laffer, which I don't I don't know if that's Larry's last name. I never actually played a Leisure Suit Larry game. I, I so. think that is. I All think right, that then, is him. Then he plays Larry in like a bunch of the later Leisure Suit Larry games. I did not know that. Wow. All right. Uh, and in animes, he's played by Joshua Seth, who obviously you know him most as the voice of Ty in Digimon and Digimon everything, basically. Yep. He even came out of retirement to reprise his role for Digimon Adventure Tribe. Other roles he's played in, he was Dice, he was a Dio in Last Exile, and he was Hige in Wolf's Reign. So, what did we think about Tetsuo? Oh boy. <laughs> so, you've got some thoughts to unwrap, young so, man. So, so when when we talk about the streamlined dub of Akira, I feel like the 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 elephant in the room that doesn't get talked about nearly enough is the Voices they give the bikers, who I guess are from Little Brooklyn in Neo Tokyo. <laughs> uh, they they we, I I'll bring this up again when we get to Canada, but they all sound like generic. They sound like extras from like the Warriors. I guess I guess Canada's gang is like a lost Warriors gang who who got lost going to uh, the Bronx or wherever. Either and that, or they're trying out for their own production of Grease. Basically, like they yeah. are, they're really they're they're not very accurate. They stand out a lot. Uh, I don't. I do. I don't want to give too much crap to like John Rabson for doing this. I'm sure this is a decision on the part of the ad- adaptation team, the directors, not him. He was. He was doing what he. he was doing what he's asked to do. Uh, but it is. Just, it's. It's. I'd say it's just distracting because whenever they're on screen, that's all I can think about. It's like what. What are these voices? Who okayed this? <laughs> this is so. It's so goofy. I want to point out that even what's even worse than the biker gang's uh, accent mm-hmm. are their girlfriend's accent. Oh my god! After the girlfriends, oh my <laughs> god, oh! Like I don't wrestle with no oil bender. <laughs> <laughs> Look, when, when I talk about the streamlined, I'm sounding like an '80s cartoon. Th- this is this is also what I'm getting at. It's like this is so like. All right, they're in an urban environment, and we're and we're and we're 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 entertainment folks. So the only cities we really know are L.A. and New York, and L.A. doesn't have any accents associated with it. So we're going to give them generic New York street accents, where they are from Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, yeah, or something like that. They're all trying to do their best Fran Drescher impersonation, more or less. Yeah, it's yeah, it is. T- Tatsuo, why won't you talk to me? <laughs> I, I, I cannot say that it isn't entertaining, <laughs> but I don't think I can say it is good. Right. Uh, Joshua, on the other hand, is a lot better. For, to say the least. To say yeah. the least, in part because, again, he sounds like a real human. Uh, the only thing distracting about him is the same thing that I always find mildly distracting about any Joshua Seth performance, which is that, like most people my age, I was introduced to him watching Digimon. And so when I eventually heard him showing up in other things, they're always like, oh, it's Ty. 
Yeah. Oh, but this isn't Ty at all. Ty doesn't do these things. Ty is a nice boy. Mm-hmm. Ty, what are you doing? Why are you raining, <laughs> raining lasers upon your country? Ty, you really shouldn't do that. That's 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 that's. Agumon's gonna be so upset when he finds out. How could you do that? Think of Hikari. Um, but he 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 gives a very good performance. I actually think he he I think might uh, he is definitely one of the stronger performances in this dub. I think he does a wonderful job catch capturing Tetsuo's character. He is so good at presenting Tetsuo's like is is like kind of childishness, his immaturity, but also just his complete and utter rage against the world. Like he is so angry. And up until the point when he gets psychic powers, there's nothing really he can do about that. But now he can, uh, you know, he can destroy things with his mind, and he is going to let you know that he can do that. Because yep. fuck you. Yeah, buddy. I will I will, I will. will steal the gang's leader's motorcycle. It will go poorly. I will not care. I will blow shit up. I will, I will, uh, I will demolish bridges. Everything. Yeah. Um... Yeah, no, like I, I really enjoy his performance. I think this is this is this is probably near the top for like just good, solid acting in this in the whole anime's dub. I think. I have to agree. Yeah, I think in general it's probably the best well acted, um, because you have Tetsuo is a character who goes through a lot of pain and a lot of like just sheer raw emotion, and. You don't get that in the streamlined dub. Every time, because because Tetsuo does a lot of yelling when he falls off things and gets hurt and stuff like that, and and in streamlined it's just like ah, yeah. With um, and it's not even perfect in the anime's dub, but it's a lot more natural sounding and and a lot more uh, fitting to when when Tetsuo just gets hurt or he gets enraged or he just because he does a lot of screaming in this movie Mm -hmm. and it sounds much more natural in in joshua sess case than in uh than in the streamlined dub so i think he's probably probably the what most well acted in in the film and uh and it's a lot better to hear him screaming kanada than kanada oh yeah uh no. Oh, that's streamlined up. Yeah, now, I remember when I went on the whole tirade of how I refused to pronounce this movie by its correct name. You're going to make an exception here? I will make an exception here, because Kaneda just sounds dumb. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, but then again, Kaneda sounds too much like Canada, so... It's like, hey, hoser! <laughs> yeah. No, what? Hardy. Yeah. May I propose? Okay. A new dub of Akira. Mm-hmm. Where Kaneda and Tetsu are played by Bob and Doug McKenzie. I counter that <laughs> uh-huh. with a dub of Akira where they're played by Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas. Just in general? Not not specifically as the McKenzie brothers? Well, basically, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I will also accept this. <laughs> no, that would work. Because I no, I have there there is a there's a wonderful movie from the eighties called Streets of Fire. Uh, it is a it is a weird delirious uh, uh, rock opera with music by Jim Steinman, the guy who writes all of Meatloaf's good material. Hmm. Uh, and Rick Moranis is in there playing like a scrappy, mean spirited band manager. And I know <laughs> really? no, I could legitimately see Rick Moranis being a really good Tetsuo. <laughs> like he, he would be he'd be too old for the part at this point, but I could legitimately see him being good in that role. Now we have to find someone who will splice in uh, <laughs> lines from Spaceballs into Akira. He's like, 
fooled you. I can't believe you fell for the oldest trick in the book. What a goof. And then when they fire the laser down on him, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. Just, we do have fun here at Dub Talk. Don't let anyone else fool you otherwise. All right. So, are we ready to move on from Tatsuo to Kanida? Let's. All right. So, Kanida, he is our main character. You would think that our he would our main character would be Aki, or Akira himself, but no. We have Shotaro Kanida. He is the leader of his gang. He's a high school delinquent punk uh, biker who constantly gets his gang in fights with the all, the rival clown biker gang and basically is a ne'er-do-well until he's forced to fight for the side of good and put his friend down for the count when he goes evil. So, who plays our main character in the Streamline dub? In the Streamline dub, he is played by uh, Cam Clark, who, uh, in contrast to some of the other, other, uh, other people in this dub, he has actually had quite a career uh, being in anime. Uh, he is a favorite of mine as he is in Monster. He plays uh, Richard Braun in that, a detective who shows up for a few episodes before he is sadly killed off like oh so many characters in Monster. I want to ask you, how exactly did Gohan kill him exactly? Uh, basically, so basically it's established that uh, he is a, he, he's not a, he used to be a detective, but he's like a PI now. And it's established the reason he quit is that he is an alcoholic. And right. one time, uh, basically he got drunk and shot a kid. While he was on the job. Uh, exactly. uh, yeah, I remember that. But well, I think the idea is that uh, the thing is he wasn't actually drunk when he shot the kid. Like he was sober oh. at the time. And Johan, and like this is a sore point for him. And Johan just kind of pushed him over the edge and then left a bottle of rye whiskey. And he maybe drunkenly fell off a building or maybe he fell off on purpose. It's not clear. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's that's that's, you know, that's Johan. It wasn't Johan who killed him. It was the fall on the ground that did. Yo, 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 Johan, Johan gave him the tools, basically. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry. I just that was a tangent. I just was curious about. Look, I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna pass up an O2 to talk about monster. Yeah. It's not like I'm gonna have a time to do it on this show anytime soon. Yeah, but there was another Cam Clark role. I was. I'm probably thinking of the wrong person, but. I was A and M page. What are you thinking of? Uh, because uh, he's been a, he's still acting to this day. Oh yeah, no, I'm looking at here. He's in like Fate Apocrypha. He's in March Comes in Like a Lion. He's also yeah. Liquid Snake in a bunch of Metal Gear Solid games. That's right. That's right. I forgot he was Liquid Snake. So, anyways, uh, yeah, he's a very, very um, highly decorated actor. Has been in the business for a long, long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, playing. Kanida in the anime's dub is the one and only Johnny Young Bosch. Yep. Obviously, you've heard of him as Vash the Stampede in Trigun and Lelouch Lamperouge in Code Geass. Uh, most recently, you can find him in the simul dub of Black Clover as Zora, the crazy redheaded shark tooth guy with a penchant for bondage. I really need to catch up with Black Clover. They keep, they keep, keep people keep showing up, and I'm like, I should watch this again. Yeah, Black Clover is one of those shows that you're not going to like at first because it's so generic, just generic and shonen But just like its main character, it never gives up on trying to win you over, and eventually it does. 
it just will snap one day and you're like, hey, I like Black Clover. <laughs> Unless you're Jet, then you just harbor <laughs> ill will and never ending resentment again. But, you know, that's that's whatever. But, yeah. Yeah. We love you, Jet, by the way. All right. So, uh, what did we think of the two various performances for Caught It Up? So, so before before doing this episode, I was like kind of like looking up who played who, and uh, I should note that in 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 the original cut of this movie, uh, Ken Clark is credited under a pseudonym. He's credited as Jimmy uh, Jimmy Flinders. Jimmy so Flinders, yeah. Jimmy Flinders. So I'm on I'm on ANN and I click on that to see who it is. And when Cam Clark comes up, I'm like, what? Really? Because again, he is doing a he's doing a weird like New York street tough accent, and I'm like, Cam Clark's a good actor. I've seen him in things. I like him. What is this? I was so I was just so befuddled because I was used to this being like actors who um, either don't recognize or I do recognize them usually for like older things that I haven't seen as much of. So seeing him in here kind of threw me for a loop. As again, this is not this is not a great performance. This is a it's 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 loud where it shouldn't be and also loud where it should be. Um and here, and knowing that it was coming from like somebody who I like heard in other things was just kind of odd. It's like, oh, I see. Yeah, I feel I feel like just that by itself kind of shows like kind of the uh, the way that like the industry has evolved. That like this this actor has like he's 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 seen the whole breadth of it, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Um, well, you you can tell just who has been there for a while now, mm-hmm. because even in background characters, excuse me, if you listen, Claire closely in the background of the stream lined up mm-hmm. you can pull out people i think like michael mcconaughey's there and i know tony oliver's there oh yeah no i think i was yeah. reading yeah no that sounds right yeah just just all all, all the all the old war horses who have just been here for decades and they keep checking along um but yeah uh like this is the streamlined up performance here is not super great uh johnny's is not perfect but it is a market improvement if for no other reason that because kind of actually sounds like a teenager now yeah uh, I, also, I also have a fondness for this because uh, I have I have, a, I have a fondness for a lot of John Gambosh's early anime roles because I feel like when you look at stuff like this and Trigun, there is a cartooniness in his performance that I feel like kind of got lost as time went on, uh, especially when he started doing more like kind of, uh, you know, sort of like uh, straight ahead shonen stuff like Bleach and so on. And he gets to do a little bit of this in here and I always appreciate that because I always feel like that's just an aspect of his acting skill that doesn't come up very often. Right, and uh, he he recorded this eighteen years ago when he was in his early twenties. I know. So, yeah, yeah. Sometimes, yeah, I, I sometimes think about like, ah, damn it, Johnny, you're too talented. Stop that. Stop. Stop. <laughs> stop. Stop making your favorite role of mine the first one you ever did. How dare you, you jerk. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I, I like him a lot in here. I think he is he's a lot of fun. I think I think he, he, he is not as um technically impressive as Joshua is playing Tetsuo, only because I think Kandida doesn't have the same uh nearly the same arc that Tetsuo does. But he's just he's just a lot of fun. I think he also gets this character of like Kandida's like a good dude overall, but he's also kind of a dumbass biker punk who continues to hit on people when he should really be focusing on not getting shot. <laughs> Or not being swallowed up by a giant blob monster. Exactly. His friend, the giant blonde mo- blob monster. He, he is he is he is he is loyal even when maybe he shouldn't be. Good. No, I I agree entirely. When I first saw that uh, that this was Cam Clark for the streamline dub, I was like, that does not sound at all like Cam Clark because mm-hmm. I know what Cam Clark sounds like. Mm-hmm. I've listened to Cam Clark 
for years now. And uh, that did not sound like anything that he had ever done. But then I had to remember, this was 30 years ago. Yep. So, yeah. And, and it speaks a lot for the direction, specifically, when you have an actor that you've known for years as a good actor. And you, you go back and listen to something that they did early that wasn't so great. Um, a lot of it is the direction. A lot of it's just inexperience. Mm-hmm. So... And who knows why they had Cam Clark give this this Brooklyn, thick New York John Travolta accent? Um, that's because that's what I was about. He's like, "Yo, Mister Canadarelli." I I didn't make that connection, but you're right. He does sound like John Travolta from Welcome Back, Cotter specifically. Man, jeez, <laughs> that is that is not a connection I expected to make today. The more you know, <laughs> do, yeah. do, do. but. Uh, but yeah, no, I also agree that Johnny's performance wasn't perfect, but it is definitely a marked improvement. But that's just, again, that's just the anime's dub in general. Um, one thing I did notice, I kind of have to disagree with you there, because mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't think Johnny's best performance is Vash. No, that's, that's, not, that's not his best. That's my personal favorite. I can yeah. definitely, it can definitely argue he has done better performances. I just think that sounds very unique in his filmography, and I appreciate that. Also, see, also, yeah. like I watched Trigun a lot on Adult Swim as a teenager, and you like the things you get introduced to. Go on. Understood. Well, I mean, I, because I didn't watch it as a teenager, mm-hmm. probably, um, I'm actually one of the few people who is very, very critical of the Trigun dub. All right. I, I don't think it is as good as everybody makes it out to be. Um, mainly, not really because it was Johnny's first role. He Remember, he had done ADR before oh, yeah. because he was doing adr for power rangers yeah he wasn't just he wasn't just uh, the live actor he had to go in every time they went morphin time and they had to dub over the japanese footage oh yeah no i think my understanding is i think he initially auditioned for vash because he was like doing adr for some movie at the studio the trigon was going to be recorded at and one of the engineers was like hey you should try it for this thing we're going to be doing mm, that's news to me yeah 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 and so while i think it is definitely a marked improvement uh, Kanida isn't really my favorite performance of Johnny's at all, mm-hmm. and um, and I, I, you could definitely see in the period since this dub has been recorded, he's come out with a lot more stronger roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but moving on to final thoughts, I suppose if we if we're ready to do that, yeah, no, I think that's fair. Um, all things considered, both dubs aren't that great. <laughs> They are they are they are charmingly flawed to the respective eras they were made in. Yeah, um, we've said this entire episode that the anime's dub is definitely a marked improvement over the original. Um, but when you compare it to some of the stuff that's coming out in this day and age, um, it really doesn't hold up as well as something even from a few years before it, like Cowboy Bebop. Mm-hmm. Um, or what is another dub that was recorded around 2001? Uh, uh, Outlaw Star, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah. Like a lot, a lot of those, like, I feel like a lot of the early Toonami shows. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think uh, this, this, I feel like the, this, this dub, like, if, um, if when it, if when it came out, the anime's dub, if, like, Cowboy Bebop was the A, this would have been, like, a B, B plus at the time. And I think as since time has gone on, it's kind of slunk down to maybe, like, B minus C plus for being generous. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Like, it's not like, it's not, it's not 
terrible, but it, the the flaws have just become more apparent as time has passed. Right. Uh, now, speaking of Akira itself as a film, mm -hmm. would it benefit from a third dub made in this day and age, do you think? I don't know. Partially... Part of it, part of it's that I think, as as we discussed, I think part of the tricky, the difficulty in dubbing it is, um, it, it like the the animation is, uh, like because it is like it was designed to be match the, uh, Japanese dialogue so closely. I feel like dubbing it well is kind of difficult, just because you'll you'll get the problem you see with like some of Johnny's lines where he clearly has to like talk unnaturally fast in order to fit his line into the lip flap, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm not sure how much like i feel like you could definitely do a third dub that has like improved direction and improved acting but i'm not sure how many of those uh limitations that are kind of baked into the animation can be overcome just by that alone like i think you could yeah. do you, i think you could well, do one but i think you'd still run to that problem where like you're never gonna hit that a level it's always gonna like ceiling out at a certain point yeah well i mean what if someone like netflix took this film and gave it what the same approach that they're apparently doing to Evangelion and completely recasting it, like taking something that's so old and giving it this brand new, uh, fresh coat of paint in the form of a new dub. Would that, would that have any benefit at all? Would it attract any more viewer today's viewers our age? Um, would that would that have any purpose to it? I don't I don't know. Just because like part of it's like, you know, Akira is not a TV series; it's just a movie. So, like, right. if you want to watch it, like, that's not, it's not a huge time commitment. If the dub's a little shaky, I feel like that's not going to be as nearly a deal-breaker as, like, Evangelion, which is, like, a full, like, 26 episodes of TV plus two movies. Um, uh, and then, I felt like it's not, it's not as big a time commitment, and also I just feel like so much of Akira's power is the visual spectacle mm -hmm. that I'm not sure how much, like, because, like, if I want to show my friends Akira, even if the dub's a little weird, it's like, look at it. Yeah. Just just sit, just just sit back and bask in this like million dollar animation that was like the most expensive anime movie in Japan made at the time. Ba bask in that shot of them like moving around the tunnels where it looks like it's CGI assisted, but it's not because that technology didn't exist yet. That is all hand drawn. Um, like so, in compare like in comparison to something like Ava, so uh, so much of Akira's appeal is built is mixed in with its. Uh, just visual power that I don't know if a new dub would benefit it as much in the same way. Like it, it would be yeah. an improvement, but I don't know. I don't think it would matter nearly in the same kind of way. Right, right. I agree entirely. I think, like I mentioned before, both of these dubs are important and they both deserve to exist. Um, one to show how anime used to be, and another to sort of it modernized it for the time period time period that it was created mm -hmm. um i don't think it needs a third dub at the same time um at the same time if you are i would suggest that anyone who goes into the movie the first time if you have never seen the first time go with the anime's dub by all mm -hmm. means yes by all means because i've always made the argument that you can have a million dollar looking show and a bad dub will bring it down instantly mm -hmm. case in point why i hate utana or why i don't <laughs> care for utana i cannot get past that dub it is a that is a yeah oh the hell we don't talk about the utana dub yeah mm -hmm. no what what the what how it usually works is that a bad dub with a bad show is laughable laughably mm -hmm. fun um 
a good movie with a bad dub is just an incredible disappointment. Mm. So uh, it's it all depends. Um, now that having been said, uh, if you have seen the movie once and you would like to go back and try to experience what it was like the first time for people first seeing this when they were at uh, anime conventions in the early '90s, all like everyone huddled around like a. 12 inch cathode ray tube television with rabbit ears watch watching watching a third generation bootleg vhs copy exactly and just being spellbound definitely go back and check out the 88 dub as well because while it's not good it is a time capsule for the period or which it was created and it is is heavily flawed but it's sort of it sort of has its own beauty within those flaws like it's it's not good, but it, by God, is it enjoyable? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't make it your first experience if you've never seen the film before. Definitely watch the two thousand one dub. No, unless, unless you have a very specific a fondness for a certain kind of like eighties um, trash, I would not recommend that as your first viewing experience. Right. Go exactly. go, go go with the stronger one first. Yeah, yeah, and by all means, if you haven't seen Akira yet, you need to see Akira. Go, go, um, go see it. I know there's been a lot of back and forth about how good Akira actually is, but like, no, it is worth sitting down and watching, even outside of like some historical importance perspective. It is a gorgeous movie. Yeah, it's for nothing but the visuals alone. And I still rate. People ask me what I think are the number one anime films. Uh, well, the top hundred, top ten anime films to watch before you die. Um, I know it's a controversial opinion. I still rank Akira as number one, not because it is the best. The plot does have a ton of plot holes and a lot of stuff that simply does not make sense. (laughs) It's the most important because Akira marked the point to where people actually looked at animation as a medium outside of children's entertainment. They actually made people stand up and say, wow. That's all I have to say, really, basically. Um, yeah. I agree. Like, I, I think Akira is just, it's just, it's, it's such a, it's such a visual marvel. And I think, I think if you're into a certain kind of like weird art house movie, even the story will vibe with you. Cause I, I found, I found out the silliest thing a while ago. Uh, apparently. Oh, well, uh, so this, this is, this is one of these weird things where like, interests of mine will coincide with other interests of mine long before I even knew they did that. Apparently, while he was trying to figure out how to... while well, I think while well, the movie was in production, and he was trying to figure out how he wanted the manga to end so he could then figure out how he wanted the movie to end. Uh, he was like... He had, like, writer's block for a while. And he talked to uh, Otomo, talked to a friend of his, who is a director named Alejandro Hodorowski. Oh, really? Uh, are you familiar with Hodorowski? I am not. Uh, he is a he is a, a Chilean Polish director who's mostly worked in Mexico for most of his history. And to give you an idea, uh, he did a movie in the seventies called El Topo, which, as far as I can tell, the phrase "midnight movie" was literally invented to advertise El Topo. Oh, it wow. is a bonkers like mystic western with a lot of like weird psychosexual imagery and all this other stuff. Uh, mm. And all of all of his movies are like that. They are all completely insane. Uh, and the fact that, like, Otomo was apparently buddies with this guy and, like, talking shop with him, it's like, a lot of Akira's weirdness makes sense to me now. Right. Like, yeah, so it's like, there, there's, 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 there's something, there's a weirdness to it that I feel like if you're into a certain kind of, like, obscure cult movie will make it a little more palatable. 
Yeah. Uh, but even if you're if, not into that, like Akira is a fun romp for two hours. Yeah, it's it's one of those movies you have to watch at least once, even though if it's something like Grave of the Fireflies, you have to force yourself to watch it once just to say you did it, mm-hmm. even if you never want to touch it again. <laughs> yeah, uh, and I, I highly advise that method with Grave of the Fireflies, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. It's not a, it's not a fun. Like, Grave of the Fireflies is very, very good. It's just it's not fun. Yes, it's the best movie you will never want to watch a second time. But anyways, in case you do want to watch Akira, it is actually streaming on Funimation now. Uh, it's one of the few movies that is streaming on Funimation now. They've actually added some more, <laughs> but usually their movies don't get streamed. Mm-hmm. Pardon me. Sorry. Uh, no worries. Um, uh, it's also available on Blu-ray and DVD from Funimation. Uh, the, the Blu-ray does indeed contain both dubs if you'd like to check them out. Uh, it also contains the original Japanese if you don't want any of that English nonsense and prefer your subtitles. But subtitles would distract from the beautiful artwork. What are you doing? <laughs> that reminds yeah. me of something funny I learned. What is actually, that? I found, actually, I, I, I think you might be slightly, slightly incorrect. I think the Streamlight did, did show up on Laserdisc. Really? Uh, and what, I think on, on, on two iterations, because if you, if you want a selling point on why you should watch Akira, Akira has a special place in the world, which is that it is the only anime movie that the Criterion Collection has ever done an edition for. That's right. They did a Laserdisc collection. And here's a funny thing I found out because I was doing research about this. Uh, That has the Streamline dub on it. And it also has the Japanese track. But it doesn't have a subtitle track. What? I don't don't know why. I can only assume it was... I I honestly don't know why. That seems very weird to me. But apparently from what I've read people, it's like, it doesn't have subtitles or closed captions. There's the English, there's Japanese. Yeah. That version is meant for edible users. (laughs) This this does parallel with uh, I have a, my friend John had a friend who apparently once um, took a bunch of ecstasy and watched Akira and then just sort of oh. cried for two hours. <laughs> so you can take edibles, but be careful when you're taking them. Yeah, because we do not we at the Dub Talk podcast do not condone the uses of drugs, especially not when you're watching Akira. Exactly, that is, that is a bad trip, son. Or or fully coolie or or Kaiba or any of those other stuff. Look, any, any of the things you've been told, like you need to watch this when you're on drugs, don't. Don't. It's a bad yes. idea. Mm. Anyways, if you would like to watch Akira, it is currently streaming on Funimation's streaming service uh, at Funimation.com. You can sign up for a two-week free trial, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, After that, I believe it's either $6.99 or $7.99 a month, although they do have new uh, plans, uh, tier plans installed uh, since a few months ago. Um, Just be aware that you will have to put your credit card info in, and if you do not... Uh, consider if you don't want to keep the service you will have to let them know else you will be charged uh but i mean there's so much anime there then why wouldn't you keep it exactly it's great yeah you can also watch all the hosted of films and other gems such as psychopath the movie uh which is actually good not compared to that second season we don't talk about <laughs> the season that shall not be spoken of exactly yeah. as for me you can find me at uh on Spaceman Hardy at, twi- at Spaceman Hardy on Twitter. I'm also the forum moderator over at both Funimation Forums and Funimation Discord. Uh, what about you, Amon? Uh, you can find me over at Twitter. I'm uh, at Amon Duel US. Duel has two U's in it. Uh, I talk about movies and comic books and music. Hardy, speaking of music, yes. would, you, would you like a dusty old song for this episode? Uh, I would love one. It just before we do, uh-huh. uh, we need to plug our. Dub, oh yeah, let's dub do co- that. Yeah, uh, if you'd like to follow up 
the rest of the show or the rest of the Saturday, Sunday, uh, summer at the movies, uh, you can follow us at Dub Talk Podcast on Twitter. We're also on Instagram, uh, Coffee, and I think we just set up a Patreon, which we haven't actually started using yet. Yes. Um, uh, but uh, and, and also always, if you're watching us here on YouTube, feel free to click the bell and subscribe and uh, and leave a comment. Leave comments in the below. Yes, we may even so. answer them. Yeah, maybe we'll answer them. You know, <laughs> maybe. Yeah, it's a firm maybe. Yeah, and just if nothing else, just say Andrew's a loser and leave it at that. <laughs> ah, we so, I guess we get to check off dunking on Andrew off the checklist. Excellent. Yes, we have to do it at least once an episode. So yes, I'm on. Please tell us what your selection for Dusty Old Song is for this episode. So uh, initially, I thought I'd try and do something uh, done with the score of Akira because Akira remains one of the like three anime soundtracks I bought on CD. Mm. Uh, thank you, Milan Records, for reissuing that. Uh, you can get that on vinyl now, by the way, if you oh, want yes. that. They got the they got you know they got the you know kind of dust standing there with the laser gun. It's great. Um, uh, but uh, that is that is all music played on a uh, South Asian instrument called the gamelan, which I am familiar with but don't really know anything about. Side to side, let's go thematic. Uh, Akira mm. is not a cyberpunk story in the strictest sense, but it has a lot of that same kind of flavor to it in terms of like. Uh, Problems with capitalism, dystopia, what have you. And what better dystopic cyberpunk concept could you give than Deltron 3030 by Deltron 3030? Are you familiar with Deltron? I've you? heard the name. It's it's a rap group, isn't it? Yes, Deltron is a collaboration between uh, the DJ Kid Koala, the producer Dan the Automator, and the and uh, the space favorite son, Del the Funky Homo Sapien. Yes, uh, I think I've heard some of their stuff. Uh, it is a it is a concept album about a uh, a freedom fighter who defeats his enemies by rapping better than them. Yeah. Well, in that case, I also have to suggest the album of uh, Bobby Digital in Stereo by the RZA. Ah, good one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. So go listen to those because they're good. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, I think we're just about done here. So, Amon, thank you for joining me. Oh, thank you for inviting me. Yes. And. As always, Otaku on, my friends. Good night, nerds. Keep it manly. Tetsuo! Got it, uh! <laughs> Tetsuo! Got it, uh!